Hi, I'm Tony Riddle, and this is the Nat Life Pod, a platform for conversation to help close the gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Sam Boot, Samuel Boot, Soul Sweat Sam, also known as Trusting Gaia. Sam is an incredible man. And it's so good to bring him on here to be able to share his knowledge, his wisdom that are going to help close that gap between wellness as an industry and wellness as a state of being. And those practices include cold water therapy, breath work and movement. Sam also supports my online certification, Nat Life Coach, and holds the Nat Life Therapy Day with this practice of cold water therapy. Lots to unpack in this conversation, lots to share. Sam and his partner Yana just about to bring a new baby into the world. So firstly, what an honor to sit. And it's imminent, we're talking any moment now, baby is coming into the world. So it's great to have him here and in such a calm state. And we unpack some of that, how to remain so calm, even though new baby, new life is coming into the world and there's a business and there's everything else that he's operating with. So there's a lot to take from that. And I do hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hey, Sam. Hey, Tony. Welcome to the pod, brother. Thanks, mate. Let's have a little ching of cups before we start this one. Great to see you. Um, big one to get you here today. I appreciate all that's going on right now. Mm. I've been there, well, four times now. <laughs> so for those that are listening to this, Sam's and his partner, of course, Yana, are about to have a baby. And it's imminent, it's any moment, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're watching this, you'll also be able to see how calm Sam is. And that's <laughs> quite something, right? If we think about it, baby coming into the world. And it's very different today as it would have been way back, you know, when we had maybe the women's circle mm. or the reliance of a woman's circle mm. to hold that space. Mm. But as the man in that relationship, we're also fulfilling that male role and then fulfilling the female role of being in the circle. Mm. So there's quite a lot going on. So I admire how calm you are. That's and of course, I'm understanding of the practices that <laughs> enable you to remain in that space, right? Yeah. And it's those practices that enable us to show up as partners, as parents, mm. and to a wider community. So yeah. it would be great. This is a great opportunity to unpack some of that, right? Yeah, you be, know? Yeah. So what were the practices this morning even? <laughs> what, did, what were you up to this morning to sit in such boing? Yeah. Um, well, I think, yeah, it's been a real heightened week, especially sort of climatizing to a certain degree um, this morning, thinking, well, you know, is things going to kick off with, you know, new one coming into the world and obviously coming here and, you know, talking with you. Um, so I, yeah, was, um, woke up, had a, uh, sort of a five minute check-in, mm. bit of nasal breathing. And then, um, one thing I kind of always make sure I maintain a, a regular practice with is, is getting some cold through my veins. And I live, fortunately live five minutes run from the beach. So there's no excuse really. Um, so yeah, barefoot down, feeling that sensation, which is always a bit pokey in the morning, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it really, it upregulates to a certain degree. Um, and then quick, quick 
two, three minute dip in the ocean, nothing more really. Um, I don't do it from a, from a place of trying to push things. Timing's not really a thing for me. It's just a feeling. And then, um, yeah, ran up. I'm done pretty much with that within about 25 minutes back at home. Cup of matcha in the, in the hand and uh, doing a little bit of journaling, journaling, yeah. In the space. In the space, yeah, ready to roll, ready and open, you know, not relying that Bambino comes and I couldn't do this because obviously that's complete priority, but just trusting that it's all unfolding and the timings are uh, synchronised, you know. Yeah, we're so aligned in the practices, it feels. <clears throat> and for me, it always feels... It enables me to be the proactive papa, the proactive partner, rather than the reactive partner, the reactive papa. You know? So that's what you're describing there, basically. You can now be proactive in those roles rather than reactive. And that reactive comes from that upregulated, sympathetic state, which is a little bit like approaching the cold or going into that cold water, right? And then we find that space within it, in amongst the stress. To, ah, okay, I can find calm in amongst that. So that's pretty. That's a nice thing to maybe unpack a bit. Is what that response is, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you put it beautifully there. It's the way I see cold immersion or anything that upregulates that hormetic stress, where you go to a stress consciously and in a controlled state. Um, you sort of remove the victimhood, if you want to kind of call it, as from other stresses that come to you because you're already, the resilience is there. Mm. And I I mean, there's a beautiful author. Um, he's called Greg Braden. I don't know sure if you've heard of him. He's written a beautiful book called The Science of Spirituality. And um, really very deep thinker, kind of um, Bruce Lipton sort of style. Nice. Um, anyway, he talks about three things um, as far as longevity is concerned for the human being. Um, and he talks about level of coherence, your heart rate variability, mm -hmm. so how wide that can be, and your level of resilience. So those three things are very conducive for longevity and a healthy, happy human, jo joyful life. Uh, and that's always stuck with me. And I think that's where we train with these stresses like the cold or running, barefoot running, ultra running, mm. you know, whatever the flavor is, whatever the tool is, it's preparing the mind for all of the wonderful, weird and wonderful stresses that we interact with every day because it's always coming at us, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, but and yet we've created this world of, convenience right mm. and so to that survival part of the brain that's always trying to minimize the threat in a way you know or conserve energy the more and more convenient it gets think of how over time mm. what is then perceived as threat it's like we're ground sitting now sitting on the floor right versus sitting in a chair you know so if you were squatting for instance now again it's one times your body weight on your feet when you stand up there's no shift sit down in a chair for instance, where your body weight's not recognised in your feet, or like we're sitting now, then when you come to stand, it's almost like, ah, oh, wow, there's a there's almost a trigger there because I'm trying to remove the threat or what could be perceived um, energy cost, right? And so, if we go to the cold or we go for that barefoot walk or we 
express our physicality in a way beyond what is perceived normal today you know we can open up or stretch that field of what is discomfort even mm. you know yeah it something just popped up as you were talking and the concept of the edge you know yeah. where the edge is within the human psyche within within even look at the natural world and where there's an interaction of an edge mm. so for instance you know a classic one an easy one for me to pull upon is being near the beach being able to see the ocean and the beach and the ocean where those two mediums in inter interact there's such a huge density of fertility and life that's happening there mm, nice and activity and chaos you know cliffs falling and erosion and this wonderful kind of vortex of potential energy and as a human being you know we can interact with that go to the edges within the natural world but also within our own edge what's our own limit mm. and actually realize especially with the cold is a beautiful tool because each time you go to it you're sort of breaking down that glass ceiling a little bit more because that inner voice is always saying i don't want to do it you can't really do it or you know i can't be bothered and but the growth mindset is where you actually face that little voice and say i'm recognize that you're there but ultimately i'm going to keep kind of gracefully moving past it because i think also coming to the notion that it's not about that stoic mindset although i do believe in that to a certain degree but when i teach cold immersion like i remind people that the voice will always be there that restrictive voice that self-limiting voice will always be there but if you have a graceful stoic approach to it you're still moving forward but you're not moving forward to a point where you're ignoring the signs that might be quite present and sometimes stop you completely because you need to stop for some shape or form the body doesn't want to do it you know which is important to feel into that mm. um so it's much more of a mindful sensitivity uh, of that sensitivity of that you know yeah, I call those like the present best, hmm. you know, because there's so many variables in day-to-day -day life, right? Hmm. It could be the email coming in, the phone call coming, a baby coming into the world, yeah. right? So there's so many variables, right? Hmm. And then to, the expectation is, say, with the cold, for instance, that I'm going to be able to get in there for the same time or I'm looking to extend the time I'm in there. Because mm. you've, I mean, where, where have you got to now? You're up to 20 minutes in the ice, right? Is that your... Not consistently, yeah. No, but, but you've, that's you've reached a, that point, that's right? PB, yeah. Yeah. But as you said, you know... But you're not getting in there, as you but, say, consistently. It's not 20 minutes or trying to get beyond that. No. That's where you've reached. And every one, every one time or time you approach the ice or cold water, it's yeah. a, even if you think of the sea, it's a new body of water. Mm-hmm. You know, so the expectation is it has to be a present best rather than looking for these PBs and in terms of personal best. You know? uh, yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to note that it's amazing to push yourself. I mean, you are an incredible kind of representation of someone that has pushed the human body and the human mind to past what was perceived to be even possible, you know, from a kind of 
Joe Bloggs perspective. Well, from a 20 year old, 30 year old Tony. Yeah, well, that's true. 40 yeah. year old Tony, you know? Yeah, but, but, but what's changed is actually it's not your, your body has, has aged, is aging, although you still look chiseled as hell. So fair play to you. But Well, thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> So I just dropped Sam a wink then. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but it, what's what's actually been the determining factor of of you being able to do those feats is you've just you just harnessed much more of a conditioned mindset. You know, your mind has evolved past the point where your physical abilities might have stopped you in the past, and that's another beautiful thing about coming back to the cold because I suppose it's what you know, has been a big teacher of mine is it's always teaching you that your body will probably want to give up first or your mind will want to get first, then your body will show signs and then your mind reacts to those signs. Right? Mm. But if you push past that point, actually there's this whole world of energy and, and potential that lies there, which few of us really give that opportunity for, you know, like free divers is a great example just from the breath and how the diaphragm works, right? In order to push past the points where you where you are needing to take a breath, the body's showing signs, the diaphragm's starting to wobble and you think, oh my God, I need to take a breath. Actually, if you stay with that discomfort and actually swallow into it, that will be removed. And then you have a huge amount more capacity to hold your breath even longer. For instance, this is a small example of what is actually happening on a physiological state, but also can be translated into the mm. psychology of things, you know, where like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And you just stay in that, stay, keep there, feeling into what's happening, but also trusting in your ability to be able to go a little bit further. And, you know, what you do on your runs is just one more step, you know. One more breath, one, one more, more step. Breath, one step, one breath. And and where that gets you is 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 frontiers that you would never think is possible, if you were to keep using that inner chatter as gospel. Your mm. your your, you, which is important to listen to. Don't get me wrong, because there's an intuition there which is incredibly powerful, but tends to be conditioned, or the signals a little bit confused sometimes. Yeah, it does get confusing. It does get. Well, it's, I think removing the distractions is a key, like being really present in those practices but to begin with. You know, and then also being within the right tribe of influence, as I call it. So have conversations like this, where it's, oh, yeah, it's okay to go to that point and there's something just, you open up the door a little more and walk in a little more and you'll find something else in that room, in that chamber. Um, and again, that's playing with that edge of discomfort, you know, and then the people around you help then carry you forward and forward and forward and forward. I think the distractions, though, bringing it back to that moment, being in the moment, being present. Um, and I hear this a lot from people that tune in. Like, how, how do you how do you stay out there for that long? You know, is it okay to use music and is it uh, have podcasts in my ears? And you're missing out on that internal dialogue, all the amazing insights that you'll get from being out there because we're never really on our own. You know, we're surrounded by stuff, surrounded by information, device in our hand. And to find time, we find that in the cold, right? You just find those moments where you can sit and be and be with yourself and your thoughts, allow them in, recognize them, but not hold on to it, right? Mm. Yeah, that's, again, why I 
have such a love affair with the cold because and don't get me wrong i love the heat too i think it's important to know i get a lot of questions like i'm just you know, not on I board not, with the heat i yeah. just oh i can handle the cold it's the heat man it's yeah. something i need to work through you know yeah I, but it, i suppose it's just um indulging in the suffering and also indulging in in the comfort which you know the heat not always because the heat is can also be a, a hormetic stress you know mm. depending on the on the, the temperature but um there's definitely a, a wonderful polarity which I always like to work with temperature or whatever. There's polarities everywhere, isn't there? And within that, you know, there's that balance and that sweet spot that you can find. But actually, sometimes it's you get the clarity of where that line is for you by going to those polarities. Mm. Um, and the cold is a is a really beautiful way to become very conscious of your fear in the inner dialogue which sometimes gets drowned out but when you're in a stressful state like a two degree ice bath actually all you have if the other variables are removed and that's why a lot of the time i encourage people to get a still body of cold water yeah to remove all the other variables yeah yeah because you'd have to think if if the ocean there's always the, the tide and the current and the, the swell and the wind and there's other people and the social anxiety can sometimes get in the way and if I'm being looked at or whatever, all that stuff plays into the fear of why maybe some people associate the cold as being a Which can become thing. like saboteurs to the practice. Yeah, right? exactly. But a still body of water is, is, is this beautiful space where all you have, all you're faced with is this quote-unquote extreme sensation. And sitting in that you can really meditate on what it is about that sensation that evokes a sense of fear and discomfort and a lot of the time if you stay within that discomfort you do reach a place where the sensation isn't as acute anymore because your body acclimatizes and there's lots of science that sort of backs that up about the physiology adapting to that sensation but once you pass that point you are left with this space where you'll never, for me, I never find a more meditative space than being in a post six, seven minute ice bath, you know, because mm. you just, you break, you move past that veil, surrender. you surrender. And, and then you actually, you know, when we can get way down the rabbit hole, but go. <laughs> well, just this concept that obviously the avatar meant to be short form. Yeah. That's correct. Let's make it long form. <laughs> How long we got? Sorry. Forever. <laughs> um, just you know the the concept that okay doesn't whatever anyone believes in. Ultimately, everyone is quite aware that we have a body and we have a mind, mm. right? And I think that is sometimes confused about identifying with your body to a point where it is you. The way I see it is actually your body is just an avatar that you get gifted. The vessel. The vessel, right? That mm. you get to experience this world. Ultimately, the spiritual expression is within our psyche and that allows us to be able to have these amazing, unbounded realizations and uh, perspectives on life but some and then the body contains that you know mm. because that's what it needs to do because it's got five sometimes six senses depending on what you to you experience know, through to experience through but where the there is freedom the way i see it where there is true freedom is when you can 
release yourself from those sensations temporarily to be able to find something that isn't you can't relate to from a from a physical perspective but it's much more internal or something which is far beyond our understanding and Mm. there's lots more science that's going into trying to understand this beautiful journey that we're all on but stuff tools like the cold and and the heat and if you want to throw in obviously some movement and some some breath work and yoga has been a big one for me nature therapy being ground obviously we can go into the the nutrition and looking Mm. after the body making sure that all that energy within the body is 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 purified then we can reach much more connection that we might not necessarily do if we aren't in pursuit of trying to seek out things which aren't, as you said, that convenience perspective of if it's not convenient, then we won't necessarily lean towards it because mm. it doesn't fit into our lifestyles. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think nowadays, especially, it, it, everything's so out of our control and we're all getting funneled to a certain degree down this path of of you know convenience and yeah obviously let's not let's not popo the man too much the the ethereal man or woman Mm -hmm. but you know we are getting ushered like cattle to a certain degree and i think it is very important to adopt certain practices just to alleviate that or remind our spiritual side of something that is not that because that is a story that's being played out for us all. Yeah. You know, and it, in these modalities, I think now more than ever, and especially what the, the natural lifestyle ethos represents is something much, very simple. You know, it's just well, not it's to be stripping complex. away. It's stripping everything. That's the point. Yeah. You know, in, in a natural lifestyle is to strip away, not, oh, here's more information. And then there's the, oh, what do I do with all this information? When do I embody it? When do I integrate any of this, you know? And there's also, why are we disconnecting? Because that, what we're ushered into is so complex and overwhelming, you know, that we shut our senses off in a way, right? So I guess through the nature immersion, through the cold, that first practice to get to that even more heightened state is just to open the senses to be more aware, right? To sit in awareness and to feel, ah, first of all, a human experience. Oh, this is a human having experience now through those senses. And then it's, ah, I'm a spiritual being having these experiences. Once we get beyond that, you know, mm. it's what it feels like. Mm. And I, that, I, I truly believe that due to the complexity of the lives that we are living in, we have to make it simple. Yeah. We have to make the tools and healing modalities very simple for people to try and integrate, for us all to try and integrate into our lives because, yes, they can become very complex and the rabbit hole goes very deep with a lot of them, mm. you know, whatever it is that you, whatever your flavour is. But actually that's not conducive for someone that, for most of us that are living very busy lives, trying to juggle and spin all of these different plates and hold up these archetypes that, you know, are important for our, the makeup of our identity. But actually a lot of the time are quite destructive because of the fact that we feel we have a responsibility 
to keep moving down these paths where, you know, actually are incredibly detrimental to our health and well-being. So mm. having these little bolt-on tools just to apply in the first 20 minutes or the last 20 minutes of your day, I think it is more realistic to be able to adopt and and uh, integrate than perhaps going on a week, two week, three week for Parsana, mm. you know, where or or even a three day retreat. I definitely, I really believe that these small moments of transformation are what is going to be much more conducive for people to start to to change the way that they approach their daily life well it offers the consistency that we do need right mm. so having held many retreats and longer retreats shorter retreats or experiences for me it's always been about right these these are the things you're going to learn over this weekend but these are the things you're going to slot into everyday life and again once you the retreat for me is an opportunity to strip away all that stuff and then here's some simple practices to integrate into everyday life and then it's not there isn't overwhelm you know, and, and you can mash it up for your day or you can look, you can become an opportuni opportunist and look for moments in the day where you can punctuate this and the breath being like one of the most simplest, you know, like before entering the home, right, just do this. Yeah. Six of those before entering the house or going from the room that you're working in to the family room next door. Don't go with the work into the family room and equally don't go with the family room into the workroom. So, and then I guess there's, um, the, well, the breath, right? We cover the breath. We can discuss a bit around breath, right? Because there's breathing going into the cold, right? And I just to give you an example. We were, I had a space in Camden and I set up like this community every week we'd meet up. It started off at the ponds and whenever it was howling with rain, I'd say, it's okay, just we meet at the studio and I had a freezer set up there. And we'd have a circle and we'd sit in a circle and we'd all be working with breath and we'd start with like some upregulation of breath. And then my friend Chris went, boom. Well, the breathing act, we started with the mm. beginning of this, right? So we sat and we, we were breathing for five minutes prior to this, right? And the energy just shifts, right, immediately with that. It's a four, six tempo, very simple, up through the nose, out through the nose, relax the belly, relax the pelvic floor. And so we had that in the middle of the circle, Everyone's sitting in the circle and then I plugged it in. I had it on the Bluetooth to the speaker. And then one person would get up and they'd go and get in the ice in the freezer I'd converted, right? And everyone doubled their time in the freezer because they just kept their breath. What we were sitting with in the circle and maintained that same breath, walking to the freezer, getting in the freezer. And they were just down-regulated the whole time through. Mm. Which is the which is an interesting, you know, yeah, because it, I think a lot of people associate the cold as being upregulative and very, you know, yes, there's adrenaline that's released, but the adrenaline doesn't always have to be manifested in in the way that you approach the ice bath, and also the length of time that you can stay in that medium. You know, it doesn't matter. Timing does not matter. But but actually recognizing that the more down-regulated you are, the longer you're going to be able to spend in that essentially up-regulate, the, the environment that wants to mm. up-regulate you. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really nice kind of metaphor of how to train with that controlled stressor and then going out into every day and recognizing, well, what's trying to up-regulate you? Well, if 
if I adopt the same practices that I've sort of had in this little microcosm of an ice bath, then, you know, you're pretty much invincible. You're unstoppable, you know, or you've, you've, you've harnessed a resiliency that, you know, is, is difficult to break down because the breath is, was with you as soon as you entered the world. And it'll be the last thing you do when you leave the world, you know, first act of life and the last. Yeah. The breath. Yeah. And we need to focus more on what's between the birth and the death, which is the breadth. Yeah. The breadth of the breath. Yeah. You just reminded me of um, uh, this. Uh, in fact, my, my oldest sister's first boyfriend she ever had, crazily. He sent me something recently, which is uh, just about... Um, uh, someone giving a, a a speech at a funeral about um, I think their loved ones passing and um, spoke of what it says on a tombstone. You know, mm. the date when they're born, dash, and then the date when they leave and move on into who knows. But he's like, then goes and I, tries to articulate that dash. Yeah. You know, nice. What's the dash? And what does your dash represent to you? And what do you want it to represent? You what's know? the legacy? What's the legacy that you're sort of leaving? And actually, that dash doesn't really give much, does it? You know, it's just quite, uh, you know, as a, a simple expression of, of a life, which within that dash, doesn't matter who you are as a human being, you will have had an inordinate amount of experiences. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just interesting just contemplating what your dash but is I think, currently. You know, I think also the breath enables us to be present in those experiences. Mm. So the dash experiencing actually being in the dash mm. rather than removed from the dash because there's so much overwhelm and chaos coming in that we're closing ourselves off to the dash, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, almost, yeah, wait, like waiting for the ticket, for the time to tick down. Yeah. Which, I, th you know, <clears throat> that's, again, kind of keep coming back to the cold, but it, it is a beautiful, you can draw so many lessons from what it does because it also shocks you back into consciousness, this sense of presence. And now. we talk about presence, it's a quite overused term now, mindfulness and presence and okay, yeah, we're present all the time. And I had, there's a beautiful, there's a guy who lives in Portown, actually, he's got um, his handles, get mind clear, but he articulated presence really well. And basically he was saying, well, presence is constantly unfolding into the next moment. There's no, there's no such thing as presence as far as, because it's, it is almost defines itself as something quite stationary and stuck present. And then it's no longer present because you're on to the next moment. Moment. It's just constantly Always moment. leeching itself into the next. There goes another moment. There you go. In the next and moment. Oh, no, no, we're not. We've moved on. And what, you know, to the listeners and to the watchers here, who you were when you first started watching it might be very different to how you are now as far as what's happening with your synaptural kind of activity because of the information that you're receiving now in the ways that that's stimulating neuropathways, it's triggering different memories and maybe inspiration is coming or maybe judgment or whatever it is. But the presence is actually becoming aware of all of those things that's happening in, in the moment. Mm. And the cold allows you to do that truly because you don't have the distractions of the external thing, whatever it is. You just have you 
reflecting on your or observing your own mind and a beautiful synergy with the breath is that you can reach these higher states just by certain types of breath work which allows you to then almost there's a it accumulates this sense of awareness from these different experiences that you're giving your mind and body through the central avatar you know mm. exposing it to extreme temperatures maybe you know moving through the brainwave states by harnessing different breathwork practices sound healing is a is a massive one for me it's been a huge huge influence on the way that i understand the world the vibratory qualities of sound and frequency i mean tesla classic example but it basically allows you allows the brain to enter these different levels just from exposing yourself to to a certain vibration mm. and so to talk about the synergy of all of these things when you pull them all together in a experience like we sort of said you can have these moments of m transformation within a very short space of time if you get the ingredients right and you get the space right so when i hold space and we do our me and my partner do our workshops actually within eight hours you can have a lot of breakthrough huge amount if you get that ingredients get the ingredients right. right you know you set the space up and you deliver it in a way mm. and i mean largely a huge amount of healing comes from just holding space too right and people coming with an open mindset of them also feeling safe within your energy because that is yeah. a huge one safety is fundamentally something which few of us truly feel deep down and i think that's a, a big thing of what's stopping us from shielding us yeah, we're being, shielding ourselves from being that. vulnerable mm. yeah, because it, we don't feel safe we have to we have to put up a front because of the conditioning and you know that's a rabbit hole to go down to right but yeah and true vulnerability is like one of the men in a men's group man men articulated this so beautifully he said it's the difference between sharing vulnerable things and sharing vulnerability you know because we can share vulnerable things and it's perceived oh they're sharing their vote but actually to share your vulnerability and that's you have to create a safe space for that you know and that's the person holding it has to be able to hold that safe space you know, and with that circle we had, I think on that particular weekend, it turned into like six hours of sharing, which is phenomenal and how deep it would go. But it's almost, it's, I think from those that are sharing space, you have to make the connection to start with. You have to be the one that shares the vulnerability almost to start with, yeah. you know, before you start your circle in that mm. sense. Yeah, I mean, it's the... Um... The, the sort of <clears throat> stone in, in the, you know, the pebble in the lake, you know, the ripples kind of go out. You have to kind of start that, that, that energy pulse mm. and then people pick up on it. And, and it's actually, it's quite, it's quite simple. If you think, if you really think about how to influence an environment, okay. And you can, for better or for worse, you know, there's different ways that you can do it, but ultimately trusting in your own 
presence and your your the vibratory potency that you have and laying down something and really standing true within that you know mm, nice. grounded grounded root chakra really knowing that you are there and you have that intention and seeing where that what that does and how it radiates within around you you know it's the embodiment of that intention right Mm. i had a weekend experience in a ceremony and i was going through archetypes and i came to king in archetypes you know the king the warrior magician lover and i sat in the king for a bit and these different kind of micro adjustments happening within my physiology next level really feeling sensations but the embodiment and this understanding that the values or intentions it's the embodiment of that so that every word every behavior aligns with that you know so you're honest to that that's you lay down the foundations like we set intentions in the morning but it's like actually if it's set and it's strong and you're embodying it you don't always you don't have to go back to it it's done it's like that's what I live to. And that's part of holding circle, right? It's like, this is what I want to be holding this space from a place of whatever it might be. Right? Mm, yeah. But embodying that. And that comes back down to that vibration, right? Mm. What we're putting out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm very, I wouldn't say privileged because I think, I think ultimately, you know, human's existence is it there's many factors that come into it as far as what family we get born into and you know the lives that we live there's nature the nature nurture debate is definitely open um but ultimately you know we're shaped by a tribe of influence and you know not to quote a tony riddle (laughs) (laughs) you can quote me man it's okay (laughs) um but uh yeah, I, I come from a, a family which we've all, I'm, so I'm one of uh, three siblings. And my, Where are you in the order? I'm the, the youngest. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I've got a sister four years older than me and then an older sister that's five years older, just over five years older. Um, and I'm inspired by those two every single day i mean they have been fundamental to my the shaping of how i am today and the belief that of trusting in my mm, beautiful voice to be able to share you know my gifts with the world because everyone has gifts right i think with our know, unique gifts and talents everyone's right? got the most unique beauty within them and that's and again why we need to use these tools to be able to unlock that and and discover this this hidden potential that we we kind of shy away from and that in fact it's been capped or yeah. put away right yeah but and i don't think we can i i think the victimized is the victim will come in because it, it maybe is an excuse not um, careful what i say here but sometimes it can be an excuse to not ha- doing the work mm. you know but there's a beautiful quote which i can't i might not necessarily get it word for word but it's we're not scared of the um we we fail to show up not because we're scared of what we um what we lack but what of the of the power of the light that we will shine 
mm. as a result of doing the work and showing up. Fear of the light, not fear of the dark. Fear of the light, because actually, I think there's a part of us that know just how powerful beings that we, we truly are, but we tend not to necessarily want to show that because no one else is really showing it. And few people really want to, you know, be exposed like that to be someone that is radiating. Power. Yeah, because it, it attracts all sorts of attention, you know, good or bad. You know. Yeah. Well, I think also we've been around language like um, showing off. Yeah. You're the show off, you know, or yeah. stop showing off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you imagine that? Yeah. Or, you know, and it's crippling language, really. Yeah, it is. Because actually it's an expression. You know, we're told to sit still, be quiet, or children are meant to be seen, not heard, all of that stuff. And that does remove us from, well, firstly, finding voice what perhaps that authentic voice is. I had this I, uh, um, vision of like a safe, you know, and you have the dial on the safe and we like safe crack as we put our ear to the safe and you turn the dial and it's like, could be through the cold, right? The cold, oh, I've, I've knocked something there. Okay, now nature, I've unlocked something there. And you keep going around until eventually like, and you open up the safe and inside the safe, I'm going to use one of those, really overused words of today but the authentic being sitting in the safe right the person that perhaps again the universe has uniquely signed you to be or what your unique gifts and talents are are in that safe once you can crack it you know and again most of those tools to crack that safe are free because they're through your senses right the safe cracker right and yet what is the safe what's it a representation of right because we think of the cage right we're the um we're the only being really to put itself in a cage as in we domesticate ourselves in that sense right and what is the safe it's beyond that it's, it's perceived safe oh it's safe so we build these perhaps the armor the facades the masks as safe safety right mechanisms that we perceive as protecting us mm. but really underneath all that when you strip it away we have to get we, we have to be vulnerable to strip all that away right mm have to be vulnerable even to step into your power mm. you know you have to have a, a a strong core to be able to peel back the layers in a way but but strong in a sense that's not it it can still be gooey and mushy and the vulnerability there but there's strength within that form you mm. know to be able to have the confidence of being vulnerable by taking away all those social mask and everything that makes up you as a human being because it encourages yeah as you know it, it, it evokes the same response in other people because you know if what you're saying when someone's speaking from truth yeah actually you know when you're not you know there's a it almost has its own consciousness that it's not it, you can hear it and what if you're speaking that's not necessarily truth you, it will be it will be felt not only with you but with everyone in the space you know whoever it is so i think it's it's important to to feel safe to allow you to do that and, and coming back to that safe you use the kind of the actual mm. physical expression of a safe mm. but safety mm. is something which allows us all to 
come from a real trusting place within life you know mm. if you trust in life like horrible things to happen to some people and you know it's 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 very difficult to to try and understand why things happen to certain people but the journey of life is full of trials and tribulations and and the polarity come back to the polarities of life like what's interesting is is within there's a part within the brain called the periaqueductal gray area and it's concerned with pain modulation but on the same spectrum it's also concerned with euphoria mm -hmm. and happiness mm. yeah and happiness what's happiness but but pleasurable joy joy you know on the same spectrum right so where where's the dial going on that spectrum you know and training within the dial going on to one end of the spectrum will just mean that it will swing can swing back into the extremities of the other mm. polarity so you know that's where achievement and also <clears throat> perception comes in right like how do you perceive something if is it if it's discomforting you perceive it to be discomforting and again come, we could talk about the conditioning of how you come to perception your perception on life as it currently stands but you know if you you can reframe and retrain you can that change your perception right a hundred percent you know um and i think there's so much untapped knowledge behind you know unconditioning the conditioned mind and and coming to a place where even within the struggles of life there's actually a huge amount of of beauty because there's you know this cliche but there are huge lessons there one but also there's the grittiness of the discomfort can sometimes be quite pleasurable if there's enough time spent within it that your resiliency can get to a point where you see it from a different lens and also the sense of achievement when you're out of it right yeah that heightened sense which yeah. then helps i guess another turn of that dial even to thinking that human potential mm. what's within mm. where can i go with this and role models too right like you know you you are a huge role model of mine and i've I've yeah I, I was talking to my partner Yana before I came here and um I think it was I can't remember how many years ago but I listened to one of your podcasts before I went I used to work on the sailing yachts and I was just about to take a crossing across the Atlantic back to new uh from Newport to um Mallorca at 28 days at sea like rough I mean, it's an amazing experience. Absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. But I sailed in the army, and yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Where it can go. It's, it's, it, you are confronted with your inner chatter every single time you have to wake up after minimal sleep, mm. really, back on watch again every six hours. That just continues, and the graveyard shifts, and it's the circadian rhythms are all... Well, it's also how alert you have to be in that watch. Yeah, instantly. It's not just, oh. Cruise up. Yeah, just, oh, it's all right. I'll just <laughs> get away with this. Maybe I can have one eye open. Yeah. No, it's like, you know, the boat's healing 30 degrees and, you know, it is gusting 40, 50 knots and hailing and can't see anything. And mm. there's three of you up there and you're having to do the switch and you're on, you know. But, yeah, I digress a little bit because coming back after those moments where you've got maybe 
you've got six hours off, but maybe you've got maybe four hours of rest if you can sort all of the other things that need sorting, eating and showering and pooping and whatnot. Having your voice was really inspirational in some of the podcasts that you shared because it was, it you know, it gives you, it, it gave me strength. And I think we all have to find those people or things which inspire us to move past the, the initial suffering and have a North star to head towards, mm. which is, 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 uh, very, it can be very healing within that discomforting environment that you find yourself within because that you're not alone. Yeah. And that knowledge is, is very important to, but if this person's potential can do this, then mm. I can certainly do this. Mm. <clears throat> there is an element of that. I think there's also even outside just the, I don't know, the personal influence or inspiration. There's also events, right, that you can go to that that help you step outside what are limiting beliefs and behaviours. You know, and then you're in a larger circle like the 100 Human Experience that we hold and you have 100 humans coming. And you take them through play and breath work and ice baths and ecstatic dance and voice awakening practices. And every one of those is no doubt taking people out of their comfort zone and stretching what is comfort and discomfort, you know. And the breakthroughs through that weekend, those processes, every one of them, you know, it could be the voice, it could be the cold could be the ecstatic dance, could even be sitting in a cacao ceremony, mm. taking that first sip of cacao thinking it's a cup of hot cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you realise how bitter she can be, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's interesting, right? Yeah, well, and, but, I, I, you know, I truly believe that it's within that you have all of those activities, but it's the community of people that come together and the energetic, like... There's something in when humans come together with a shared understanding or ethos or an openness. Mm, which is common unity. Which is yeah. unity. Yeah. That there's a connection that's made that's not necessarily from a psychological perspective, but from a from a that vibratory EMF field that we're all emitting. Like you're almost linking into an energy that you aren't able to link into in, mm. until you become open to accepting the the love and and the wonderful attributes that humans can offer each other that when when magnetized and when um and when more people are added into that pot you become this it's, it's like the transformation within that can be so profound. profound yeah you know and and spontaneous remissions and things like these miracles that can happen i believe happen because you open yourself up to the healing qualities of humans and also the energies the divine energies that are around us ever omnipresent mm. but we're so blocked off to it because we don't give credit or we don't believe in it because nothing in science hasn't necessarily proven it, you know. Yeah, or science would call it coincidence. Or right? coincidence, exactly. Yeah. You know, and there's a beautiful permaculture teacher called Andrew First, or Forst, um, and he's he 
talks about this concept that um, he says, I'd rather live and die as an optimist, be happy and wrong, than live as a cynic, be miserable and die right. And he leads on to saying that science is a tool in which we use to understand the world. However, the technology that we use as forms of science is limited. Mm. So how can we really rely too much on science? Although I have a huge amount of reliance on it. I think we need to. But also to never, to not let that limit your horizons into thinking, well, you as an individual with a consciousness that's able to connect to many different things that might not necessarily be defined as by science doesn't necessarily mean that it's not true and actually it's more true than ever because you can think it you can feel it mm. you know well or let it dumb down the female superpower of intuition mm. you know that feeling the real feeling of something mm. when you know yeah you know deep down you're vibrating at that level no this is this has to be this you yeah. know <clears throat> but science hasn't got there yet yeah therefore that can't that no that feeling we, that that's not a feeling yeah that's not a sense no your intuition's wrong yeah yeah yeah, yeah I mean, which is the analytical mind suppressing the the feeling mm. right? i think the you know because i've on the front line with my amazing partner moving through 10 months you know nine just shy 10 months of growing a baby bringing new life in you know seeing her body as this it's, it's a conduit right of mm -hmm. life spirit pulsing in growing this entity and then soon, at some point, could be, could be now, the intuition that she, her body is feeling and, and to be, it, there's a very uh, empowered place to, yes, the health system is incredible. We live in the, UK, in the UK, we have the NHS, an incredible health service. However, there's also... A limitation within that as far as how for instance in this scenario the terminology and some of the the quantifiable aspects of what pregnancy in this situation can do uh, or the when it's appropriate to give birth mm. or oh, this is your due date so anything past the due date you know there might be this suggest that there's something wrong with with that and so we need to start to intervene more yeah and you know my partner she's wonderfully intuitive and and is great and is has since having our first we've learned a lot from that process and she's certainly stepping much more into this knowing that actually there's this flipping powerhouse goddess of a mother she carries the spirit of life within her mm -hmm. you know the, the ability to to give life that, the trust in that the trust in that and trusting in the body and her body to be able to do exactly what needs to happen when the timing's right that's not influence that that doesn't hold any reliance on a system which obviously has protocols which they need to 
Stick which by. has only ever existed, you know, a dot on that yeah. evolutionary timeline. Mere baby, a mere baby on mm. the evolutionary timeline. <laughs> And 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 but this is how quick the world is going now because for us it, it, even if it's a even though it's a blip mm-hmm. you know the human mind works so quickly as far as we're just everything's getting faster and faster and faster so like memory short term and long term memory is is getting really confused what we think is like a long term memory is still short and we then there tends to be a need to assign or, or or rely on another to be able to tell us what to do mm. because we, yeah yeah we can bring that right back to the cold <laughs> yeah you know that timeline right because we we forget right it's like hot water is a mere baby on the evolutionary timeline. Yeah. <laughs> You're from the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. When did hot water kick in? Yeah. And then we're like, oh, no, but the cold's this. Or yeah. well, you're having cold showers or you're having a cold bath. Or in Yana's case, it's like, Yana's case is up until when? Still getting in the sea, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, she was, she, she, she dipped in the sea on her due date, you know, and she has found so much, you know, quote unquote comfort from that mentally more than anything it's just, it's it's more for her mental health mm. than anything else to be able to uh, attain a a sort of workout a work in i suppose you can call oh, it yeah. without yeah, yeah. stressing the physical body too much although the body is stressed to a certain degree but then it comes into timings and the hormetic stress is all about how much controlled stress that the body can cope with that caloric gain as opposed to caloric drain concept and she's been doing it for you know for many years now so yeah it's that familiarity in the practice right mm. that's the caveat there isn't it that if you're pregnant right now and you're not familiar with it don't go and get into an ice bath right now mm. you know yeah there is that familiarity within the practice which, yeah you know even if you're not pregnant right now it's still that build it over time yeah yeah dip your toes in and and you know feel into it yeah which i think is probably a good time to think about you know what can what can we give the audience right now in terms of let's think about um a few tips for the cold i would say choose a time that if you're new to cold immersion, then choose a time where your nervous system isn't going, it isn't going to be coming from a parasympathetic space, like a down regulator, i.e. choose a time where you're awake, you haven't just woken up. So the stress on the system isn't going to be, isn't going to be as, acute as it would be if you were so you're alert yeah you're yeah. more alert. adrenaline's moving through you you're you know you're in a beaten brainwave state i.e the day's moving and, and you're kind of pulsing through the day maybe the afternoon is a night is, is a nice time to do it because in the evening time you don't necessarily want to be interacting with the cold because the cortisol kills melatonin and we all know how important yeah. that is 
Um, so choose time in the day, um, whatever's right for you. Um, take some moments to, to center, i.e. use the breath to allow you to kind of settle and come, come to a space where you're conscious of your thoughts. That's all you, that's all you sort of really need to, I mean, you can go much more into the meditative states. Um, but five minutes will just allow you to apply some level of reflection and observation on what's happening in mm. you, between your ears. Um, and you can use the nasal breath in for foot box breathing is a beautiful way to do that. Tumo breathing, focusing on the exhales because the exhales is, is where the, when you interact with the cold, that will be one of the first things that goes because the body will want to tighten up and constrict as a result of the reaction, the autonomic reaction to the cold. So we want to focus on the exhales, get that embodied, nice long exhales. And then once you've got a nice smooth breath, that's not jumpy because again, when you interact with the cold, there'll be this tendency of the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system to jolt the breath. Get nervous. Get nervous, yeah. And so we tend to do two things, which I see time and time again, which is this constriction, you know, the gasping reflex. And what do you do? You breathe in and you hold the breath. Yeah, worst time to tell someone to breathe. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Breathe in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take a breath. Yeah, just breathe out. So breathe out. Just focus on the breath and on the out breath. And so once you've you've got that, turn the cold on. And some people like to just jump straight in, which I think actually is going to disrupt your nervous system even further if you're already upregulated. It can really jack it. Whereas people like that because they don't have to go through the pain of the, the slow integration with the cold. But I think there's much more lessons to be learned like with that no slow play. approach. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm out here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Dry to... bon, yeah. gone. You've got to lube yourself up a bit and just yeah. move in with with um, with mindfulness. And that's, again, with the mindfulness practice comes in, you're really aware, like, oh, my goodness, this sensation is 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 quite extreme and depending what it is right cold shower uh, the ocean a lake ice bath they're all different mediums and and they will all have different qualities to them and the approach will be very different depending on what medium it is and you know we can go into detail but maybe we'll save that for another time but if it's cold shower most people are are aware have a cold shower available to them well actually allowing the cold to just start to trickle and just feeling the sensations over you becoming really mindful of like what that sensation is actually doing in different parts of your body. And then when you finally immerse yourself fully head under, remember that that exhale, all you want to do is focus on the exhale and drop the shoulders. Mm. The tension in the shoulders will rise and you'll be amazed at how much tension you start to feel in your face too. The, the forebrow, the, the jaw, you sense of the jaw, the... <laughs> This again, it's like the pain too, face coming. Yeah, in, right? it's the pain face. But it's like two simple things. If you can just remember to drop the shoulders and elongate the breath, hmm. actually everything starts. He's sending a signal to your sort of nervous system that actually you're not in a survival state. Like you are taking the reins of what essentially the it's author, okay. It's okay, you know. And yeah, I mean, we go down there. It's 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 quite hard to not 
draw relationships of of how we react in in stressful situations as far as feeling that victimhood of that reactionary mm-hmm. state as opposed to that proactionary place where we're aware of what these things are going to do and so in which case if we're aware and we've embodied this the breath and we've embodied this practice of relaxing very simple things when we're interacting with that stressor we don't have to think about these things because we're already doing them Mm. so then the experience instantly becomes very different to what it might be if you are chasing your tail you know and catching up with okay i need to do this it's like if you don't need to have that erratic nature to it the overlap is multifold it really threw me into being in london um I practiced kind of down regulation breath up through the nose, out through the nose, four, six tempo whilst walking through London through the hustle of it, you know, and it really is like walking around and you have hyperlapse going on around you. Like you feel the energies and the pace of it all, but you can slow down and be really present. So even the chaos of the city can you flip your perception of it again. You observe it very differently. You really observe rather than being swept away in the process of it all, which is, again, being present in the cold, right? In the moment in the cold. You're in that moment in whatever environment. And again, that overlap could be going home right now and suddenly there's... Right, it's happening. (laughs) Sam, Sam, it's happening. Yeah, but but again, right, like we're, we're not because when i left i was like well text me if things start to happen and and but you know we're both at the place well if things start to happen they're not going to happen within the baby's not going to be born in an hour for instance mm. and yarn has been she's been practicing hypnobirthing and all different types of breath work and it's all about like don't react don't jack your nervous system because adrenaline is going to kill all that wonderful oxytocin anyway yeah, yeah. so even if that's things things start to ramping up the whole uh, concept of hypnobirthing is to stay in a parasympathetic space breathing through the sensations because you as a as a conduit the female body it knows what to do so by you upregulating yourself you're only is it uh, becoming you're getting in the way of the natural process well also those those stress hormones then being released into baby as baby comes into world right? mm. yeah i mean yeah <laughs> yeah it's mind-blowing just how you know what birth the different experiences of birth can look like depending on who you are and where you are in the world and where you choose to give birth in the world and who you choose to assign your your labor Mm. to to help you labor and i mean you think about what you know being born in a hospital setting with that sterile lighting everywhere and people with masks on and there being a panic in the air and the 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 stress of the mother and father or whoever's there all of that is the first thing that that beautiful pure Mm. being's going to interact with is that environment yes the mother's there so that would be her comfort, but depending on whether 
you know, it's been a vaginal birth or it's been a C-section or whatever. There's all these accumulating factors which can become a really quite a traumatic thing. And birth can take many different expressions and that's that that whatever happens you just got to trust in the process but what i'm saying is actually compare that to you know how women women that choose to give birth at home and trust in their body and there may be some be some water there that they can step into and having the aromatherapy and the lighting set up and then moving through these breathwork practices and the energies in the room, the people that are there, are there. There's an intention of why they're there. There's a deliberate nature of why they're mm. there. And the woman feels, the, the mother feels safe. Actually, when that soul is born into the world, the difference in how that little being's going to be and, and interact within its first moments on planet Earth. Mm. Think about the psychology of how that will then grow. Not to say that assuming... Well, it's forming its very earliest templates, right? The stuff that's in that implicit memory. It's, um, there's so much to add to that. There's like even movement, thinking of, you know, the physical vessel. If we look at birth as in a birthing position being the squat, and if we were to look at if breath work's involved and hypnobirthing, it can be quite a quick birth, really. Um but let's say it's a four-hour birth, right? Or it's the first child, it's a longer it's a longer extension of that. So is the physical vessel even in a position that the woman can squat for that length of time to be able to endure in that sense? Um, so it's less taxing on the physiology. And therefore, lying down, for instance, and having to give birth, what would be the birthing canal would be the equivalent of giving birth uphill, <clears throat> which is normalised how taxing that is that it's so taxing on the physiology over time whereas to really sit in that in that squat position and be able to really tune in and honor what would be possibly more of the divine timing to come into the world even and that's what can work with the breath right it's breathing it's birth positions it's the environment it's the energies in the room but that's not going to work for everyone. But what can work for everyone is an understanding of the breathing, right? Yeah. Or an understanding that your physiology is going to be taxed. And these are the things that these are really worth. They're free. Yeah. You know, being able to practice a squat each day or to be able to get into kneeling positions and work with your breathing, they're totally free, but will have a massive shift whether you're in a hospital, whether you're at home, yeah. depending where you are on the planet. Yeah that will it will have a profound shift in a birth yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah exactly Tra becoming aware of these fundamental things which will happen when the mother gives birth and doing what you can to best prepare for mm. every outcome because birth 100%. can take a turn you know in a, in a moment things can change and so if you're aligned with certain practices that helps you to keep down regulated and by all means i think as as men it's difficult for us to really understand Appreciate. it because we don't go through the process we just are observed and are exposed to the magic and brutality if you want to kind of draw upon this for the polarities the power of this lioness spirit that's happening mm. but it's hard for us to 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 really truly 
embody and, and talk from a place of of knowing yeah because we are just talking from a an ideal perspective on some of the things which we know has worked for, for just a human being in general right what what movement practices can do as far as how it can uh, increase your your life experience you know make it much more of a pleasurable thing to actually move mm. as an individual and the freedom that that gives you and whatever you know if even if you are slightly immobile to a certain degree or restricted within yeah. your your capabilities there's always more that you can apply as far as understanding the 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 mobility of the body so applying these these daily practices yeah i think are crucial and uh, you know not to not to beat yourself up either about thinking that you're not doing enough because one thing that comes up time and time again for me when i talk to people about the cold or the breath or you know the the, the yogic disciplines or movement or you know nutrition it's all about I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. Should be doing more. Should be doing. And that's again feeding into this notion that you're not enough, mm-hmm. and what you're doing isn't good enough. And recognizing that anything that you can do, anything, it's going to be better than not doing something. So just get five minutes, even if you don't, even if you all you have is five minutes, is training you, you that habitual nature to the human mind it loves it loves to, to habituate things we the auto in fact the, the 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 wonderful thing about the the body and the auto the autonomy of the body is it actually reduces the caloric stress the caloric uh expression of the body or, or where it assigns that caloric energy so the more autonomic it becomes the better so even if you were to just have a five minute practice, whatever it is, a bit of stretching, cold shower if it's there, some breath work, and that's it. Then you've got to crack on with your day. You'll probably find more often than not that that will expand in its timings because you'll want to make space for it. But if you say, well, if I can't do a half an hour practice, then I'm not going to do anything at all, then you're not. Yeah, I can relate to that with running. It's like, you know, you could start off with 5K and then you get to 10K and then you get to half marathon and then and then you think, oh, I've only got time for a 5K. Oh, it's not worth going out. Mm. <laughs> you know? Totally. I still, I need to be able to get here. But again, so much reward in even doing the 5K and refining the technique of the 5K and going mm. to see it with completely different eyes even. Mm. You know? That brings it back to present best, right? Present best. And... Can I introduce the Rainbow Bridge? Yeah, go on. Bring the <laughs> Rainbow Bridge in. It was it was in amongst it. But this came in on the coaching cert, the NetLife coach cert, didn't it? The yeah. Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Yeah, please do, man. Yeah, so um, just to drop, drop his name because he's been quite influential in, in my my evolution. Um, Paul Jack, he's, uh, yeah, he's a bit of an all-rounder, really, isn't he? But, Absolutely. Um yeah, incredible, incredible man and um, the legacy that he's sort of leaving uh, with his partner, Angie. But uh, he talks about many different things, but one of the concepts he, he talks about is the rainbow bridge. Um, and it really resonated with me because it essentially 
outlines where the where the end goal is or, or what the what the the vision is that you'd like to accomplish you know what's the ideal and where you currently are and a lot of people are striving for that ideal and there's this massive leap to get there and that leap is is very unsustainable and and very unrealistic within a lot of people because they're so far from that ideal whatever it is for them right well even to carve out the time right yeah already overwhelmed so the rainbow bridge is breaking down well what's the meet what's the happy medium between the two that allows you to then make a step this sort of rainbow step to a point where you know it's a transitional step and you might stay there for a while but actually the goal is a series of these beautiful little rainbow steps that allow you to eventually over time accomplish something which might have seemed completely out of sight and giving yourself that being unapologetic about allowing time for it and giving Mm. yourself the acceptance that we're all broken and perfect in a way that as long as there's some sort of pursuit to want to better oneself i think that that makes up the magic of of a human being and and why each one of us is so interesting because of we there's a striving to be better yeah you know and and whatever that however big that striving looks like is individual for each of us but to relieve that stress another stress that we have is never being good enough because we are all i guess there's the comparison there's so much i mean you just pick your phone up look at instagram it's a world of comparison right but it's also inspiration yeah there can be huge amounts of inspiration in there but it's also looking at it through a lens of right where am i at and how achievable is this yeah you know rather than thinking right i can get to there in this short window of time yeah and also understanding that's that individual's unique potential perhaps yeah and and and, no. the, and the struggle that it's taken or the or the you know the journey i should say that it's taken all to those get experiences there. that are gained doing it yeah right? yeah yeah you know and i think you know just accept it like there is a notion of acceptance of where you are at just to know oh, i'm here this is how i've got here um and you can do things that becomes conscious of what, how you've got here why you've got here to then go right well mm. where do i want to go from here and and yeah. and depending on on what your goals are and, and it will depending on kind of how your your life then pans out but you know lo- loving yourself on the process is is something which i don't think a lot of us truly assign time for even the things that you don't like about yourself that sense of self-love is is one of the most important things that I've ex- had to to learn to accept myself, mm. but also love myself because I want to get better. There's like a there's like a lovingness of okay, I don't don't necessarily want to like stay where I am at, but I still love love it. But I'm also loving the fact that I have the inspiration and the determination to want to move forward. And how can you do that? Yeah, and again, aligning with this, you know, it, it's all happening for us, not to us in that sense. Forgiveness. I have the I love you, I accept you, I forgive you, I appreciate you. You know, that's kind of the 
appreciation of oneself, the love for oneself, and there's a forgiveness in there as well, right? Because we can carry so much stuff and ruminate on it. Oh, I should have, could have done this. And it's, you know, it's done now. We're here now. We're in this moment right now, you know? In this moment right now. Oh, good place yeah. to finish, I guess. In this moment right now. Mm. Sam, great to have you, man. Thanks for having me. Really Jay. appreciate you, brother. Yeah, and you. Love you. Appreciate you. I don't need to forgive you. I accept you. <laughs> for now. There we go. Let's ching these. Yes. We're done. We're done. Nice one, brother. Thanks, mate. Great. Pleasure to be here. Get back into the nest. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Beautiful. Share some insights. And From unfold. short form to long form. <laughs> yeah. Magical. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you feel drawn to do so, then please subscribe to the show, leave a review, and don't forget to share. Sharing is caring. It really helps me to help others. If you're drawn to immersing yourself in any of the NatLife experiences or see yourself as a NatLife coach, head to TonyRiddle.com for details of how to immerse yourself in the community. You can follow my adventures on Instagram at The Natural Lifestylist. Big shout out to Simon from We Are The Clarks for producing, filming, editing. Much love. Love.